There, there we go. Thanks, Mark. I don't know what you were doing, but I'm glad you're at the soundboard now. Yep. We're going to start a little different today. And uh, in fact, I, I think I counted there are five sermons woven throughout the service today. Maybe even a sixth one, depending on your definition of a sermon. Uh, may, let's have a little light, maybe just a spot, if you would. Thank you. What we're hoping to accomplish is this. What if, what if, um, the, say, the sound tech, our um, tech booth, the camera operators, um, you notice that we didn't have a coffee out there, and somebody came up to me and looked really angry, and you don't want to mess with that. But you know, just wanted you to have this little moment of asking the question, what if some people decided not to do what they were supposed to do or called to do? And that is connecting to the story of Nehemiah. Because I've asked the question during my moment here of looking at Nehemiah, what if, what if when that person that came from Jerusalem a thousand miles and was at, you know, with Persia and the king and, and said what was happening with Jerusalem, the walls were down, the people are in danger, what if Nehemiah said, so what? What if Nehemiah just stayed focused on his own life and what he was doing as, quote, uh, cupbearer to the king of Persia? What if, I do believe that there would be a domino effect, lots of things would have changed in the course of human history. It really matters when we say yes to God. So let's, let's take a look at the journey. Uh, back eight years ago when I preached on this, I had 10 weeks to preach a sermon. I'm only doing, uh, um, preach a sermon on Nehemiah. I only have four weeks to do it, so I'm going to give you a quick flyover of some of the chapters that follow uh, where we were last week. So example, 445 B.C., Nehemiah brings a group of Israelites from captivity in Persia back to Jerusalem. They were the third group that went back. And I just ran into something this week. You know what this group represents? Kind of latecomers. They could have gone back with Zerubbabel or um, with Ezra, but they decided they liked it back where they were. But eventually they were like, no, I think let's go back to our homeland. But they were living the dream, or they thought they were, until they realized what they were missing. So Nehemiah brings the group back in 445 B.C. Now chapter 6, we find that the wall is completed. In a remarkable amount of time, 52 days. Remember, when, uh, when they were plummeted, the walls went down, the gates were burned, there was nothing left. It was just a bunch of rubble. And Nehemiah and the people, by the power of God, rebuilt the wall and the gates in 52 days. That is a miracle. Chapter 7, uh, we find there's a genealogy of those who had come back to Jerusalem in the first group with Zerubbabel. So you just get this genealogy. Chapter 8, on the first day of the seventh month near the end of, uh, uh, near the end of September, uh, the people gather and ask Ezra the priest to read to them the law of Moses 
which they had neglected for a long time. In fact, the reason that the walls went down, I truly believe, is because the children of Israel, God's chosen people, were ignoring the word of God and were starting to do things that were not good, not just for them, but their relationship with God. So God allowed that nation, those nations, to come up and come up against Jerusalem. So now they're going to focus in on the law of Moses, the word, and they listened. Chapter 9, Ezra the priest now leads the people in a prayer of confession. It's, it's even a, a moment of consecration. It's like setting yourself apart and saying, we want to recommit to, to, to God. And here's the prayer. So if you would just kind of tune in, tune out everything else, maybe even picture this is your prayer because it's a beautiful prayer, but get the heart of what Ezra is saying to God on behalf of the people. Oh now, oh great and awesome God, you who keep your promises of love and kindness, do not let all the hardships we have gone through become as nothing to you. Great trouble has come upon us and upon our kings and princes and priests and prophets and ancestors from the days when the kings of Assyria first triumphed over us until now. Every time you punished us, you were perfectly fair We have sinned so greatly that you gave us only what we deserved. Our kings, princes, priests, and ancestors didn't obey your laws or listen to your warnings. They did not worship you despite the wonderful things you did for them and the great goodness you showered upon them. You gave them a large, fat land, but they refused to turn from their wickedness. So now, we, our slaves here in the land of plenty, that you gave to our ancestors, slaves among all this abundance. The lush yield of this land passes into the hands of the kings whom you have allowed to conquer us because of our sins. They have power over us and over our bodies and our cattle, and we serve them at their pleasure and in great misery. Because of all this, we again promise to serve the Lord. And we and our princes and Levites and priests put our names to this covenant. And we don't have the word amen spoken there, but I could just picture God's people as they heard Ezra pray this prayer. They were thinking, amen. Yes, yes, it shall be so. And in our journey looking at Nehemiah, I hope you could put yourself in his place and in the place of the people. I mean, we, just like the Israelites back then, we go our own way, we do our own thing. And because of that, there is a storm that brews inside of my heart, inside of your heart, inside of this world we live in. There is so much sin out there. But as we're going to hear in the next song, we could praise him in the middle of the storm because he is faithful. He's faithful in dealing with your sins, my sins. He is faithful in redeeming us, buying us back, and giving us new opportunities and new blessings to be his people as we live on this earth for whatever breath we have. So, you notice we don't have a praise team. Just to accentuate the fact that what if the praise team decided, I don't want to do this? You're going to hear them all soon, but we, you know, I know Chris is there somewhere in the dark, 
So he's going to come forward. He's going to share a song with us. And just listen to it and pray this song with the truth that we could praise him because of his love for us, even in the storms of life. I was sure by now God you would have reached down Wiped our tears away Stepped in and saved the day But once again I say amen And it's still raining And as the thunder rolls I barely hear you whisper through the rain I'm with you and as your mercy falls, I raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. And I'll praise you in this storm, and I will lift my hands, for you are who you are, no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold in your hands. You've never left my side And though my heart is torn I will praise you in this storm I remember when I stumbled in the wind You heard my cry to you And raised me up again But my strength is almost gone how can I carry on if I can't find you? And as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain. I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. And I'll praise you in this storm Yes, I will lift my hands For you are who you are No matter where I am And every tear I've cried Will you hold in your hands You've never left my side And though my heart is torn I will praise you in this storm come from my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth I lift my eyes into the hills where does my help come from my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth Praise you in this storm. Yes, I will lift my hands, for you are who you are, no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, well, you hold in your hand. You never left my side, and though my heart is torn, 
I will praise you in this storm Though my heart is torn Oh, I'll praise you in this storm Yeah, yeah Hi thinking about why was it that the walls were rebuilt? The answer is going to be very simple, and it's two parts. Number one, God. God can, himself is the only one that can make something like that happen. He can rebuild walls, and not just physical walls. There are emotional walls. There's all sorts of things that have been broken down in this world. When God steps in, he does his thing. But the other part, and I just want you to remember what I said a couple weeks ago, it's also about attitude, not aptitude. Nehemiah, remember the story of Nehemiah. Remember who he was. Cupbearer to the king of Persia, yes. Was he a priest? Did he have any building skills? We don't know his whole story, but he is probably the least qualified to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild walls. And yet God called him. Now what we find in the story of Nehemiah throughout the entire book, we find certain attitudes that are in Nehemiah's heart and mind and life. They're ones that kind of shaped him and moved him to kind of do the things that he was able to do. So as we uh, take a journey on what I call sermon number two, is we're going to take a look at this whole rebuilding project because Nehemiah and the people had certain attitudes that was the driving force in what happened. And there's six of them. And I want you to listen to these because at the end, I'm going to challenge you to be thinking, do I have this attitude too? Has God woven into the fabric of my life and my heart these attitudes for what he has called me to do? So the very first attitude is Nehemiah began in the place of fervent prayer. I mean, listen to these words. O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. And for me, the key word is the word fervent because I can have lots of prayers. I do. I really do pray a lot. But there is a difference when I do what I call the Jim Thielen, I'm distracted and I'm obligated to pray versus the one that's fervent. The one that's fervent is centered on who God is and what he can do. When I go to my other one, it's like an obligation. It's the kind of thing you do when you're a pastor or a Christian. But the fervent prayer is born out of here. And you look at what happened when he was called to this. Four months of prayer. Four months of fervency to say, okay, God, what is it that you want me to do? And I'm willing to do it. What is your prayer life like? I'm going to... I'm going to guess your prayer life could be better. That is the truth for everyone that walks on the face of the earth except for Jesus, right? It could be better. 
So begin going to God and say, God, I want a more fervent prayer life. I want one that is totally dependent on you, one that looks to you and you alone to move and shape my thinking. Second, acknowledge, acknowledge the gracious hand of God. Chapter two, and because the gracious hand of God was upon me, I really did, do think that that's what shaped his prayer life. He had this sense, and I love this image, that God's hand was upon him. Too often in our world today, too often even back in the time of Nehemiah 2,500 years ago, there were people that felt that God was far off and in a distance, that he really didn't care about the wall that had come down or what was going on in the life of people. They really had this issue. And so for Nehemiah, he really sensed, he really sensed God's hand was upon him no matter what he was going through, no matter what challenge was ahead of him. Thirdly, drew encouragement from God. Chapter 4, it was a kind, it's one of those moments where he was getting a little bit of discouragement, remember? I mean, there are armies that were starting to come and they were going to frustrate it. People were getting tired with the building of it. But what, what helped Nehemiah and what encouraged the people? Remember God who is great and awesome. You mean, don't remember all the work you have to do that's in front of you? Don't remember the people that are around you that might hurt you? Don't re- I mean, you, yeah, maybe think about that. But remember just who this God is. And again, we see the word awesome. Please don't have a human perspective of what awesome is. Remember I joked about it a couple weeks ago. We could say we can have an awesome pizza, but that is not awesome. I mean, it is, but it's not. Depends what you compare it with. When you compare it to the God of the universe, powerful enough to make the heavens and the earth, and yet personal enough to know that last breath I took, or what's going to happen next week. He is that kind of God. Then we get to the idea of fearing God in chapter 5. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God? Now remember, fear can be viewed two different ways. One fear is where you are not just walking, but running away from something. That's what fear can do to you. But the kind of fear we're finding in Nehemiah, and it's really woven throughout the scriptures, it is a sense that almost causes you to stand in your, your, your tracks and have your jog drop down a little bit and go, that's what Nehemiah did. He had such a view of God that there probably weren't even words that he could put down for us to read. I mean, it's just, it's just that kind of God. Uh, then chapter 6, he answered the critics by calling on God. They were trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. So what do you do when critics come? What do you do when there's a conflict? We go to the God who loves us and says, strengthen my hands. And then the last one, uh, but their trust in God. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elo in 52 days. Amazing. Amazing. Remember, attitude, not aptitude. Attitude, not aptitude. And here's the list. And maybe do your own little checklist for a moment. Look at that list. Read Nehemiah. Look at what God was doing through somebody as, as simple as Nehemiah. But here are the attitudes that were displayed 
with Nehemiah and with his people, began in the place of fervent prayer, acknowledged the gracious hand of God, drew encouragement from God, feared God, answered critics by calling on God, and put their trust in God. So I want to give you the question, and it's really the fork in the road, spiritually for every one of us, what if? What if that list, those six attitudes that Nehemiah had that was a gift from God because God revealed it to him, what if those six things were part and, and fabric of your life and my life? What if it's what causes us to wake up in the morning and go to bed at night? What if those attitudes were there when we, were, we calendar our life? When we look at what we're going to do with our 24-7 or 365, what if that was the driving force? Would there be a difference? And I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. And you've heard this in the beginning, and I'm going to give it to you again. The leadership, I shared with them what was on my heart a couple months ago, what I truly believe is a truth for this church, and we'll just say Christian churches in general. We believe wholeheartedly that when more people at once see the sanctuary, and I'll just say in all Christendom, are all in, we will make a greater kingdom impact than ever before. And would you do me a favor? Would you read this out loud with me? Because, again, I've learned, I've learned over the years, it helps when you read it too. And let it sink in a little bit. So let's read this out loud together. We believe wholeheartedly that when more people at once see the sanctuary are all in, we will make greater kingdom impact than ever before. We will make a greater difference. What I truly believe is going to happen when we step up to what God has called us to do, more people will realize Jesus is Lord and Savior and heaven and the kingdom of God will expand. That's what difference-making is all about. There's temporal things which are important, but there's eternal things which is being with Jesus or without Jesus for eternity. And if you've ever looked at what hell is like, when you really look at it and how bad it is, you would not want your worst enemy to be there. So, consider that truth. So, if we work together, that's really good. I have an illustration I'd like to give. And uh, I need kids for the illustration. I get to do a kid's message. Usually, Greg doesn't. I love his messages. But I said, this week, I want to do it. So, kids, come on up. There's going to be lights down there for you. I need as many kids. We're going to, let's go in the middle here. I like to do things a little differently. Good morning. You're not convincing me. Good morning. Oh, that's so much better. All right, I just want to tell you a little story. There's a young man right over here. I won't say his name. His name's Bo, but okay, I won't say his name. A couple weeks ago, right before the Green Bay Packers were going to play the Kansas City Chiefs, he comes up with his little Kansas City jersey on, 
and he kind of swaggers a little bit, and he says, the Chiefs are going to beat the Packers, and I'm like, just shut up and get out of here. I wouldn't say that to a kid. But I said, we'll see. Packers are better, even without Aaron Rodgers. Well, anyway, Packers lost. He comes up the week after and is whatever. And so um, I would like you to volunteer. <laughs> Voluntold, right? So please stand. We need, uh, let's move everyone over here this way. This, it's going to get a little dangerous because that's what revenge looks like. <laughs> Keep moving. Keep moving. Everybody move over here. Oh, well, that's... <clears throat> You know, I'm in Nebraska, and we uh, lasso things, but we're not going to do that. Uh, we're going to do a, something called, a, it's called tug of war. Anybody ever hear that? Yeah. What a tug of, so you go that way. I need another volunteer. Like, come here. You get to stand in the middle. Go, go on this. Okay. And don't do it yet, but when, when you're ready, I'm going to have you Drop the rope, and then we begin. Are we ready? Bo, do you th even think you have a chance? He's a realist like his dad, right? Okay, we could start. Go. Have you started yet? Oh, I feel so macho now. Okay, stop right there. Don't, don't move. Don't move. Do you think he has a chance? What would give him a better chance? Yeah? Three people. Three people. Yeah. Who? Okay, okay, you go up there. Anybody else want to lose? Okay. You go over there. Over there. That side. We're going to do three people. didn't do this at the first service because they said all the people, and, but that's okay. I'll take a challenge of three. One, two, three. Okay. I'm still winning. So what's a better, whoa. What's a better, what should we do? Yeah? Everybody, oh, go over there. Everybody. I just need to get ready. Yeah. Okay, everybody line up, get ready. Wait, don't give him advice. <laughs> just take, just kind of be relaxed about this. I want you to picture it's like the Kansas City Chiefs playing the Packers and they're just not trying at all. One. I know. Two, three. Okay, 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 okay. I didn't want to try. Come over here. Come here. Oh, everybody drop the rope. So you see what happens when we're all in? See what happens when, quote, all of them are working together? It's the idea that God had at the beginning. It's called the church, right? Don't revel in your victory. It's over. Really. 
Let's pray. Let's, that's, that's always a good thing is to pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you again. We can have laughter and we can have fun. But what a reminder. It's an idea that you had at the very beginning. That we're better together. So I pray uh, that you would teach us as we continue to look into your word. May we understand more fully the joy and the blessing of working together as your body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you can go back. This was recorded, so there is proof that I did win. You could digitally change anything these days. All right, we're going to continue. Lights, there we go. Thank you very much. We have talked about what does it mean to be all in. We've talked about what does it mean to be a difference maker. It's all about kingdom work. Let me just share with you things I've shared in the past about what all in things would be good for us. So if I can have it up on the screen, please. The very first part of being all in is to be worshipers. I think it was yesterday I was reading um, some, uh, something about the temple worship when people, would, they were all in. Oh my goodness, they would put their whole body into worship. It was just beautiful to see that. And I think that's what God calls you and me. Now, you could do it within the four walls of a church, yes. And I hope when you're here, you are all in and you're worshiping this God who has just done great things for you. It's not limited to the four walls of a church. You could be online and worshiping right now. You can also be home alone with a Bible in your hands, opening up the scriptures. You could be praying to God at any time about anything and anywhere. And he is listening. And he wants us to go to him like it's a matter of life and death. And I think that's what worship is. So think about that. And I'll just tell you that we live in a world now where worship is either, you know, fits into our schedule or doesn't. And I want to challenge that idea. And I'll get to that word in just a little bit. All right, secondly, joining a group. You saw the benefit of the group Physically, spiritually, let me tell you, emotionally, there is nothing like it. God saw it at the very instant he created Adam. It's not good for a man to be alone, and it's been a theme that we find in the Bible all the time. We need each other. And so, whether that's marriage, a friendship, or, you know, we have things like Bible studies and small groups, and just please, Consider that. Enjoy the blessing of being in a group with other believers who will sharpen you, who will pray with you, who will hold you accountable, will cheer you on. The group thing is God's idea. So please, please think about that. And then thirdly, giving. Now, let me say this. Giving means you have something to give. Did you ever think of that? You can't do giving unless you have something to give. So whatever you are sitting here with today, it's a gift from God. If you just took a breath, I hope you realize that breath is a gift that God has given you. 
finances, our time, our talents, you know, all of these things are gifts that God says, I'm going to give to you because I love you so much. And he takes great delight when he, we return it and say, thank you, God. It's kind of like those moments, you know, my kids are all grown up now, but, you know, they'd come back from school and they'd make some kind of craft or something and they'd give it to you like this and you're looking at it and it's just very like, crude, you know, it's like, it's nice, but it's beautiful because it's coming from them to you. That's how God feels when we give. And please consider that as we live our life. If he gives you another day tomorrow, it's because he has a reason and a purpose and he wants us to give him thanks for it. So be thinking about those three things. Now, I'm going to... I was in here Saturday. I do this thing called prayer walking in here and I think about you and I think about your stories as I walk up and down these aisles and and I do it. Um, And I was listening to a podcast and there was a quote and then I tweaked it a little bit and I want to put it in front of you. It might be disturbing you. Okay, it might be disturbing. The Christian life can be summed up with just one word inconvenient. I'm going to pick on us as United States of America citizens. We love our convenience. Oh my goodness, we could drive, really, we could just drive through and get a coffee, right? And we, we love our convenience and we work so hard to get those conveniences. But I want to tell you that in your spiritual walk, in my spiritual walk, it is to be inconvenient. Because my flesh says no when God says yes. My flesh says right when God says left. That's just the way it is because of my sinful nature, your sinful nature. It's what it was 2,000 years ago when when the first followers, just the first disciples, leaving everything and followed him. That was rather inconvenient. Or when they no longer worshipped in the temples, they had nowhere to go, so they went into homes. Kind of inconvenient. And throughout the history, how many times have people lost their lives, which is the ultimate inconvenience in some people's view, because they stood up for godly values. And, and here's where I'm going to press, just one more time. If you're sitting here today and you're not experiencing the inconvenience of your Christianity, I want you to wrestle with it. We are foreigners and aliens, that's what the Bible says. And yet we're called to bring the gospel called to bring the gospel and it's often I'll just say it's inconvenient all right I have a list of questions that I hope will move you to the point of saying Lord I'm ready to be inconvenienced questions you saw two weeks ago I'm going to bring them back again so just look at them 
what is the burden God called, what is the burden God has given you? Just think about that for a second. What gets you? What bothers you? What disturbs you? What keeps you up at night? Maybe wakes you up early in the morning. It's maybe the first thing on your heart. Maybe it's something you see on the news or something in the newspaper, and there's something going on in here. What is that burden? What need has captured your attention? What tugs at you and touches your heart and emotions? What are you passionate about? What concerns you? How will I let God use me to make a difference in 2022? I'm hoping and praying that God does in you what he's doing in me. I told you a little bit about it. When I was on the gurney in the middle of a heart attack, the burden that was placed on my heart is I have not told my family how much God loves them and how much I love them enough. I've told them. That's what God put on my heart. I've had some of you already tell me what your one word is or what you're focused in for next year and what God is putting on your heart. And I am moved by what I'm hearing. I do believe that when the burden takes over our convenience, ministry happens. So hold on to that thought. We're going to continue now. I just want to make sure because this is not your normal service flow. The ultimate inconvenience was 2,000 years ago when Jesus said, I'll go on the cross. I'll take the sins of the world on me. I want you to listen to this song, ponder the, the message behind the song, and the magnitude that God has for us. There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. Where all the love I've ever found comes like a flood, comes flowing down. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe of you. Where you love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe all to you. I owe all to you, Jesus. There's a place where sin and shame are powerless. Where my heart has peace with God and forgiveness. all the love I've ever found comes like a flood comes flowing down 
At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe of you. Where you love ran red and my sin washed white. I owe all to you. I owe all to you. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in awe of you. Yes, I'm in awe of you. Where you love ran red and my sin washed white. I owe all to you. I owe all to you. Here my hope is found. Here on holy ground. Here I bow down. Here I bow down. surrender my life I'm in awe of you I'm in awe of you where you love ran red and my sin washed white I owe all to you I owe all to you Jesus Nehemiah chapter 10, a turning point again. So remember chapter 9, Ezra's prayer. Chapter 10 is this time where they are going to make a covenant, a promise. And they had uh, certain leaders who were going to now come forward and on behalf of all the people sign this letter, this commitment. And really the commitment was to go back to the word of God and let that be their source and norm for how they live life. Now, if you want to read it, read it. There's some really specific things in there. But just generically speaking, it was a, we are going to do what God says to do. That's what it was about. Are you willing to do that too? I'll just tell you, there are times I'm not willing to do that too. So if you're feeling uncomfortable, misery loves company. But the really beautiful thing is, when we step into the promises of God, God's promise is always certain. God's promise is always faithful. God's promise is always good. Sometimes it's inconvenient. But by the power of God's Spirit, we step into it and say, okay, God, I'm not worthy. I'm just like Nehemiah. I must grew up. I don't have all that it takes, but I want your spirit to give me the attitude that says, I'm going to trust you more than anything on this earth. And I want you to show me what that means and what that looks like. So we're going to give you an opportunity to, to do that. And if I can ask people to please pass out the sheets. And as they're doing that, I, I, just two other announcements and I'll go back to this is one thing that we've done this week now is we put some cards in the backs of the chairs and in there, it's, 
it's in an effort to maybe not make the same announcements every single week, because I don't mind doing that. I like hearing my own voice. Uh, but things about communion. So if somebody can take that out and look at that and say, okay, what do we believe as, as about communion here? How do we do communion here? That'll answer that. Then on the other side, again, if you're a guest, we want to get to know you. There are certain ways to do that. Uh, prayer requests, we want to collect those and gather those. That'll tell you how to do it. And then also for tithes and offerings. Um, it'll, it'll explain how to, to do that part of it. So that is that. The other thing is we have our annual Thanksgiving meal. It's community-wide. It's come one, come all. And so please keep that in your prayers if you would. Also, if you're sitting here saying, I would love to come and, and eat and give thanks to God with other people. Come, 11 to 2 this Thursday. If you're sitting here saying, I would like to volunteer, I would like to help with it, pray about the event, tell other people about the event, uh, volunteer if you would. We have set up, we have teardown, we have serving. We're also looking for uh, desserts and sides to pass, so you'd bring them on Wednesday if you would. So just be thinking of that if you'd like to be a part of it. So now, as these are in your hand, let me just walk you through this briefly. Remember earlier I talked about being all in. All in in worship, you don't see that reflected on here. Please, please don't overlook that. All in in worship means just acknowledging and remembering the God of the universe who loves us. But then you're going to see two sides to this. One is for groups, and you'll see opportunities for connection. And you look at that, and that's not all the groups that we have. We have more. Also, if you're sitting here saying, I would like to have a group that does this, we'd love to meet with you, pray with you, help you make that happen. Because again, we are better together. Better together. All right? So please look at that if you would. The other side says, giving of your time and talents. Can you imagine if we all, every one of us, would lean in doing ministry and mission. That would be wonderful and beautiful. So you could take a look at this, but you might say, I've got this on my heart. I looked at the questions you gave me. This is my burden. This is what I would like to do. I mean, somebody came up to me uh, before the first service and said, have you ever thought about doing this? I said, put that on the form. You're going to get it later. Please listen to what God says. He may put something on your heart that we don't have here but really, all of us together will make a difference. All of us. And in fact, following the service, you, you can make your way into, it's called the family gathering space. I would like to call it the family opportunity space this week. So if you're looking at how can I become all in, how can I lean in in ministry, you can take a look at the displays. You'll see one side that talks about groups and uh, serving time and talents. The other side will give you opportunities to support our youth as they go to a, a youth gathering. Also, Haiti, it's a new project that we have that would love for you to get involved with. In fact, we have a vision uh, meeting for 15 minutes that'll be right after the service, about 12.15-ish, right? And Tim will be there. It'll be in the prayer room back in that corner. So, <clears throat> if you would, pray about it. And if God speaks to you right here, right now, and you want to put your 
name down and put what you're interested in and circle that. You could bring it up and we'll have these baskets up here. You could do that. I want to tell you how, how important this is to me because I've wrestled with this. I believe God told me to meet with anybody and everybody who fills this out. I want to talk with you. I want to pray with you. I want to encourage you. I know we're a bigger church, but this is so important. The staff, they all said, well, we'll do it too. I said, no, this is something I feel God is calling me to do. So I would love to sit down with you, every single one of you, and talk about how God can use you for kingdom work. And also to celebrate how you're doing it already, because there's stories that I'm finding out that I didn't know, and it's just beautiful. So, during this next moment, when we get into communion, let me just double check here, uh, we're going to have communion. So you can bring these forward and place them in there. And just to let you know how communion works, uh, if you have those individual communion sets, you could take that during the song at any time and just celebrate the gift of God. If you're going to come forward, then as you do, remember we have bread and wine or juice, so if you need gluten-free, or if you need juice, just let us know and we will serve you. I also, also want you to know that after, we're gonna, after that, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. And I'll tell you about that at that point, because we put it there for a reason. So, context. Jesus was in the upper room. He was with his disciples and some followers. They were now celebrating the Passover meal, which was a meal where they looked into the past. They were looking back here and said, remember, remember what Nehemiah said? Remember the Lord? Jesus was doing that. Remember how God did this. They celebrated that. I believe that Jesus was giving it not just a past tense, but also a present and future tense, that this is a meal that we celebrate right now and into eternity, and it gives us gifts and blessings of forgiveness and life and faith. So our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. We continue now with the celebration. Yeah. 
crown of thorns to mock your name. Forgiveness fell upon your face, and love like this, the world has never On the altar of our praise, let there be no higher name. Jesus, Son of God, you laid down your perfect life. You are the sacrifice. Jesus, Son of God, you are Jesus, Son of our sin you bore our shame you rose to life you defeated the grave and love like this the world had never known cause you took our sin you bore our shame Let there be no higher name, Jesus, Son of God. You laid down your perfect life. You are the sacrifice, Jesus, Son of God. You are Jesus, Son of God. Be lifted high.
And now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you steadfast in the one true faith to life everlasting. Depart in his peace. Amen. We're going to continue with the Lord's Prayer. And if you heard me talk about this before, you'll hear it again. I believe that when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, they weren't looking for a formula, but they were looking for an attitude. Or maybe they were even looking for a formula, but he answered it with an attitude. And we're going to go through the Lord's Prayer, and I'm going to slow it down a little bit. I don't know if you're tempted like I am. Sometimes I just kind of breeze through. I don't think about the individual petitions. I don't think about what they mean. So I'm going to slow it down enough to cause you to think. All right? Because I can go on autopilot just like the rest of you, right? So we're gonna, I'm going to slow it down a little bit. Just follow, follow me, if you would, and just hang on these words because these are words of attitude. Remember I said it's about attitude, not aptitude, because the disciples really didn't have aptitude but they learned an attitude from the master. So if you would listen to these words, say them out loud, and let's pray. So stay seated if you would. Together we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy king, <coughs> thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day <coughs> and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. One last image for you to hold on to. <clears throat> How many of you know Psalm 23? Maybe you've heard it. Anybody know how it starts? Yeah, the Lord is my shepherd, and then there's a second part to it says, yeah, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then it goes into a beautiful discourse. What happened? I do believe that, you know, this is a Psalm of David, it's a conditioned response. When the Lord, I'm going to add some words that aren't in the original Hebrew. When the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I think David is saying, when the Lord is my personal shepherd, he's going to take care of me perfectly and completely all the time. But here's the challenge, here's the problem, this is my issue, maybe it's yours too. I change who is my shepherd. Sometimes, anxiety is my shepherd. And then it changes the outcome. Boy, am I in want. Fear is my shepherd. People-pleasing is my shepherd. Um, maybe moving up the, you know, just think about how you can with, you know, all the things in this world you can have and own. Sometimes, like I joke about that Polaris slingshot, um, it is a joke, but I really would like one. Um, but when you make things like that your shepherd, it leads you to a place that's not the best. So if you're in this journey and you want to make a difference, if you want to be all in, it needs to be the Lord being your shepherd. Because then you're going to calendar your life 
differently if, if he wasn't. So when he's your shepherd, you're going to look at your 24-7, 365, and you're going to look at it differently. So I want to challenge you with that. I'm going to close with a blessing. We're also then going to have another song that you've been hearing underneath the videos that have been showing the last couple of weeks. And uh, you guys are going to lead that. I'm really looking forward to it. And then if you'd like to remain, we have an ending video that talks about the joy of being all in. But if you have somewhere to go, I understand that. Don't worry about that. But we're going to do the blessing, the song, and then that video. But feel free if you need to go. So, let's stand for the blessing and for this song. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Right? Think about what that means. May he give you a peace that is like none other. Amen. My feet are frozen on this middle ground The water's warm here, but the fire's gone now I played it safe for so long, the passion left Turns out safe is just another word for regret So I step to the edge and I take a deep breath We're all dying to live, we're all scared to death And this is the part where my Head tells my heart, should turn back around. There's no turning back now. I'm going all in. Head first to the deep end. I hear you calling. This time the fear won't win. I'm going, I'm going. Home child, well done. So I step to the edge and I take a deep breath. I'm not turning back around. There's no turning back now. I'm going all in. Head first to the deep end. I hear you calling. This time the fear won't win. I'm going. I'm going. Deep.
to God to do his work to help make him known to help spread his kingdom get more people to know him from helping the church to just going out and talking with people in the community that's how I see all in all in is is living every day to the best of ability to, to serve Jesus I am living proof that Jesus picks the sinners I am living proof that Jesus picks the poor and the downtrodden because I've been there so a humble servant. Finding time every single day that you purposely set aside to put the Lord as the top priority, like get in your word. You know, I'll go into a situation and I feel like it doesn't ever escalate higher than it needs to because I can hear the Lord kind of give me the wisdom what to do. So I feel like when you seek Him, the word says to find Him. Not letting prayer and going into the word be like a last resort or something you do only because you have a need. Put it ahead of all that. Let it just be a daily intake. Like you would never skip your meds, you know? It's like you you can't skip you can't skip the word. All in to me means giving it everything that I can give to others that has at one time been given to me. Being all in is giving as much of yourself to God as you possibly can. Just turning it all over to, to Christ and having the awareness of what he's calling you to do in every aspect of your life, whether it's your work life, whether it's your um, faith life, whether it's your family life at home. All in, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that you um, just go to church on Sunday and then you're good for the week. It means treating each other with respect and kindness and love, whether you're at church or whether you're at home or whether you're at work. Hearing God and saying, God, what are you saying to me in your daily events? Not only what are you saying to me, but the, the challenge is, what am I going to do about it? I just really love the mission statement of 1C, um, that as disciples we are intentionally thinking about where am I at? Am I up, in and out um, in my life? and. I just like this thought of being all in for Jesus and really making God's purpose for my life my purpose. You are living with God on your heart, in your mind, all day long, keeping Him included in your life and showing it where you go so that it's never a question, does she believe or is she following God or not? That's how I feel is all in. But there's lines you won't cross. Doesn't mean you can't do certain things, but there's lines you won't cross. People just need to be genuine when they worship. Like whatever it looks like for you, you just gotta allow yourself to say yes to that. Because half the time that's the Holy Spirit nudging you to go and worship in that way. 
But if it looks different than how your neighbor does or even how the church does, you know, you, you hold back and you wonder. And if that is quiet and reserved and in your heart, you're just pouring your heart out to the Lord, then do that. You know, and if it looks different, then it looks different. But And I think that one of the best things that you can do is allow yourself to just worship freely, however that may look. You know, but... Don't be afraid to raise your hands. Well, and it's like, why? Because it's a sign of surrender. And, you know, we say we're all in, but we hold back. And it's not just in, in worship, it's like in life because it's scary. It's scary to be all in on something. You know, but in certain covenants, it's all in or nothing. Like in marriage, it's all in. Or if you're one foot out, that's going to fail. It's living your life the same no matter where you are. In front of this group, in front of that group, out of town, on vacation. Just being able to help out wherever is needed. You know, some, sometimes I know it, it's hard to say no. Um, and uh, being all in is... It should be hard to say no uh, when somebody needs your help or whatever it might be. Uh, so I think, you know, just being available to help out other people, to do whatever, you know, you think the Holy Spirit or God is calling you to do. And being all in for Jesus is scary, but once you just do it, you find yourself, you feel so much more sincere and genuine about everything you do, not just your worship at church, but the way you live your life. Like, that's what I want to be. I just, like, I'm not perfect at it. I'm nowhere close, but I want to be all in. I believe that one day I will see your kingdom come. And I want to hear you say, welcome home, my child, well done. I woke up this morning. Saw a world full of trouble now. I thought, how do we ever get so far down? And how's it ever gonna turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven. I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. The thought disgusted me, so I shook my fist at heaven. I said, God, why don't you do something? Say than to be, live like angels of apathy. We'll tell ourselves.